On the 15th of January, a volcanic blast sent shockwaves around the globe and defied scientific expectations. Researchers are now scrambling to work out why. The eruption that devastated Tonga on the 15th of January lasted 11 hours, but it will take years for scientists to work out exactly what happened during the cataclysmic explosion and what it means for future volcanic risks. The volcano, named Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai, sent a plume of ash soaring into the upper atmosphere and triggered a tsunami that destroyed homes on Tonga's nearby islands. Reverberations from the eruption circled the globe multiple times. The extraordinary power of the blast, captured by a range of sophisticated Earth-observing satellites, is challenging ideas about the physics of the eruptions. Researchers are finding it hard to explain why the volcano sent a cloud to such heights, yet emitted less ash than would be expected for an eruption of such magnitude. And the shockwaves that rippled through the atmosphere and oceans are unlike anything seen in the modern scientific era. The eruption of Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai is forcing scientists to rethink their ideas on hazards posed by many submarine volcanoes that lurk beneath the waves of the Pacific Ocean. It just basically rips the band-aid on our lack of understanding of what's happening underwater, says Nico Fournier, a volcanologist at GNS Science in Taupo, New Zealand. The eruption, which happened just 40 miles from the Tongan capital of Nuku'alofa, had been a disaster for the more than 100,000 people living in Tonga. A thick layer of ash that blanketed everything to establishing clean drinking water supplies to recover from crop damage was estimated to equate to nearly 39 million Tongan paanga, or about 17 million U.S. dollars. At least three have died in Tonga as a result of the eruption. The crisis was also compounded by COVID-19 as Tongans faced their first wave of cases, which started after relief ships arrived from other countries harboring the infection. The volcanic danger might only be over temporarily. Preliminary studies of ash from the 15th of January eruption suggest that it was fed by a fresh batch of magma rising from inside the earth. Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai could remain active for some time to come, with uncertain effects for the people of Tonga. Geoscientists have limited ability to provide people in the region with good sense of future risks. It's a really difficult situation of wishing volcanology could do more for the local people, says Janine Krippner, a volcanologist with the Smithsonian Institution's Global Volcanism Program in Washington, D.C. She is based in New Zealand. But right now, that's not the case. Most of Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai lies underwater. It rises 6,500 feet from the seafloor and is part of the Tonga Kermadec volcanic arc. This string of mostly underwater volcanoes sits above a massive geological collision zone. This is where the western edge of the Pacific plate of the Earth's crust dives beneath the Indonesian-Australian plate. The edge of the Pacific plate heats up as it sinks into the planet's depths, and molten rock rises to feed these volcanoes of the tonga Kermadec arc. Geological evidence shows that the large eruptions have convulsed Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai about once every millennium with huge blasts that have been observed around 200 and 1100 AD. The past century has brought smaller ones in 1937 and also 1988. By that point, the top of the volcano was beginning to peak out above the waves to form two small islands named Hunga Tonga and Hunga Ha'apai. 
Then in 2009, the volcano began spitting ash and steam in an eruption at the Hunga Ha'apai. In December of 2014 and January 2015, another eruption formed new land. This land connected the two islands, forming a single landmass. Several research teams visited the new island soon after it formed and gathered samples of volcanic ash and rock. Geochemical analysis of that material described in a paper in Lithos found that in 2009 and the 2014-2015 eruptions involved molten rock that had not risen recently from the great depths of the Earth's mantle. Instead, it had spent some time at a geological way station of sorts, a magma chamber located about 5 to 8 kilometers deep in the Earth's crust. While sitting there, the magma had gone through some telltale chemical changes, almost like wine aging in a barrel, before ultimately erupting onto the surface. The magma that erupted this January was different, said Shane Cronin, a volcanologist at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. And his colleagues have analyzed ash from the eruption that military relief workers have scooped up near the Tongan airport on Nuku'alofa, Tonga's largest island. Chemical analysis shows that it differs from that of the 2014-2015 eruptions. Cronin said that the fresh magma rose quickly without spending much time undergoing chemical changes in the buried magma chamber. Geologist Taniela Kula and his colleagues at the Tonga Geological Services in Nuku'alofa have been collecting ash samples from islands across Tonga that Cronin and others are analyzing. By studying the ash from different islands, including noting how thickly and how widely it is distributed, researchers were able to build up a better picture of how the eruption unfolded. Surprisingly, there seems to have been relative little ash emitted given the size of the blast. That might be a result of the environment in which Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai erupted, that is, underwater but at a relatively shallow depth. Volcanoes in deep water rarely erupt through the ocean surface in big blasts. That's because the pressure of the overlying water prevents gas bubbles from forming and growing with explosive force. But the volcanic event that erupted at Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai on the 15th of January was just tens to 250 meters deep. That's shallow enough that the water didn't suppress the power of the blast, but deep enough for the erupting magma to encounter a lot of water. Water can fuel explosive eruptions by flash heating to a form of steam, which expands very, very quickly. In this way, the efficiency transforms thermal energy into magma into the kinetic energy of an eruption, says Michael Manga, a geoscientist at the University of California, Berkeley. Some of the most powerful eruptions and explosions have been through water, he says. Another important factor is how much volcanic gas is mixed into the magma before it erupts. A gas-rich upwelling of magma might have fed into the 15th January eruption by providing a large number of bubbles to the fuel as the fuel explosion took place, says Raymond Cass, a volcanologist and emeritus professor at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. The eruption of Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai is unusual in that it combined features not usually seen together, says Cass. Volcanologists know of other examples of eruptions that occurred underwater or under snow and ice, and thus incorporated some water. Scientists have also seen extremely high eruption plumes that have towered well into the upper atmosphere, 
but Hunga Tonga, Hunga Ha'apai is a unique example of both things happening together. It might ultimately come to serve as the prototype of a newly recognized type of eruption style, he says. Most submarine eruptions don't produce particularly high plumes, for example. Now, for instance, the 2012 massive deep-sea eruption of Haver Volcano, that is north of New Zealand, produced mainly a huge floating collection of lightweight pumice stones. That eruption occurred at a depth of more than 900 meters, or more than 3,000 feet beneath. We have seen relatively few cases with large plumes that breach the ocean surface, says Christian Faria, a volcano scientist at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Yet the Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai eruption plume soared to a height of at least 30 kilometers or about 100,000 feet, well through the upper atmosphere and into the stratosphere. That's so high that researchers have been scrambling to understand what long-term impacts might have. High-resolution satellite imagery allowing them to track how ash, gas, and certain chemical species are drifting through the atmosphere in much more detail than they could in 1991 when, say, Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines erupted even more powerfully than the Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai. We have never seen anything like this, says Anja Schmidt. The Tonga volcano didn't emit enough sulfur dioxide to change global climate as eruptions from some other volcanoes have. It did expel an estimated 400,000 tons of sulfur dioxide, or SO2, whereas the 1991 eruption of Pinatubo ejected nearly 20 million tons. Now, that blast temporarily cooled the planet by about a half degree Celsius, and the sulfur formed sulfate particles that reflected some of the sun's radiation back into space and cooled the conditions for a couple few years. One possible explanation for the discrepancy is that much of this SO2 or sulfur dioxide from Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai might have fallen out of the plume at lower altitudes before the plume got too high. But Hunga Tonga Hunga Ha'apai did throw ash high into the stratosphere, and researchers will be looking for signs of any climate impact, says Schmidt. They will also be watching to see whether the volcanic material causes any destruction of the stratospheric ozone layer and whether the atmospheric waves of the eruption unleashed affects atmospheric circulation patterns in the coming months. Early findings come from balloon experiments lofted into the Tongan eruption plume. Several research teams have launched balloons carrying instrumentation from around La Reunion in the Indian Ocean downwind. One such effort was led by the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and this was able to measure volcanic particles up to a height of 28 kilometers, or about 91,000 feet, as the plume drifted over La Reunion, says team member Elizabeth Asher, an atmospheric scientist at the Cooperative Institute for Research and Environmental Sciences in Boulder, Colorado. That's so high that she expects to see the eruption's atmospheric effects to linger longer than they would after less powerful eruptions. Another aspect that could reshape volcanology is the way in which Hunga Tonga Hunga Apai unleashed a rich variety of waves that rippled through the oceans and the atmosphere. The reverberations it sent around the world are reminiscent of those seen after the 1883 eruption of Krakatau in Indonesia, says Alan Robach, a climate scientist at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. The South Pacific eruption triggered pressure waves and gravity waves in the atmosphere and tsunami waves all around the Pacific Ocean, even in distant ocean basins. GPS satellites also detected disturbances in the ionosphere the layer in the atmosphere that lies above the stratosphere, starting at a height of around 80 to 90 kilometers. There are huge pieces of this puzzle that we haven't quite managed to pull together completely yet. Across the entire planet, 
Pressure waves were recorded with a dip and a rise in barometric pressure called a pressure couplet. This pressure couplet reached Worcester, Vermont in several hours from the eruption from the west, while the expanding pressure wave also came around the backside of the globe several hours later reaching Worcester, both ringing the planet and were recorded by even local observation stations with sensitive barometers, which made this rather historic on a meteorological scale as well. The challenge now is to gather enough data to complete the puzzle. So volcanologists would normally monitor an active volcano using seismometers to study earthquakes in the surrounding area. There are currently no active seismometers in Tonga, so the large quakes that have been happening around Hunga Tonga Hunga Apai since the 15th of January eruption have not been tracked in much detail. The data that exists, however, suggests that the quakes are generated by fresh magma rising into the crust to refill the reservoir that was once emptied by the very large eruption that occurred on the 15th of January, says Cronin. Another priority is to survey the seafloor around the volcano to see which part of its underwater structure has blown up or otherwise changed since previous surveys. Satellite radar imagery suggests that the top part of the volcano has subsided by about 10 meters, Cronin said. Some early data might come from the relief ships that have been traveling to and around Tonga, such as the one tasked with repairing the submarine cable that connects Tonga to Fiji. This was severed during the eruption, cutting off international communications with the Tongan nation, the cable might have been buried by a landslide coming off the side of the volcano or cut in several places. Foremost in everyone's mind is what Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai might do next. A group of international experts is providing information to the Tonga Geological Services to help the Tongan government to assess the risks and decide what to do. The researchers are weighing up to three possible scenarios. The eruption could end, it could continue at a low level, or there could be another massive blast. All these scenarios are still alive, says Cronin. Regardless of what the immediate future holds for this particular volcano, the eruption has volcanologists rethinking the hazards of submarine volcanoes more broadly, says Schmidt. It's a stark reminder that these kinds of volcanoes exist and that they pose hazards and that they are understudied. Roger Hill, Radio Vermont.